God's doing some great stuff all over the world, and we're part of what He's doing, and God wants to do great things through you and me. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Say amen. Come on, I want you to open your Bible with me. I want to share something to uh, just stir us up, and uh, I really love what Beth Ann was sharing. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I want to just, uh, I want to start, we'll start in Matthew chapter 28. Our mandate in, is the nation's. God has given us nations to go to. Now, it doesn't mean to say you've got to go all over the world, but God wants you to lift your vision. Lift your vision. Get a bigger vision. If you only ever see small things, you'll think small. Sometimes we've just got to have God expand our vision. I want to just lift your vision just a little bit as we look into some of the scriptures today about getting you in your heart a vision for nations, a vision for people, a vision that God would work through you to touch people's lives. Otherwise, you've got no context or no perspective for why I need to pray, why I need to push into the presence of God. Why do I need to overcome sin? Because God has designed me for a mission, and I need to give my life to what God has called me to do. Look at this, what it says in Matthew 28. Go therefore, <clears throat> Jesus is speaking to us, every one of us, go therefore, make disciples of a handful of people. Now notice this. Jesus did not say go and make decisions. Go and invite a few people to respond to Jesus Christ. God's vision is far, far bigger than that. God's vision is one of nations. And we're going to just look quickly at a few scriptures. And you'll see as you look in the scriptures, the heart of God is for multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people. And, the, and we're going to see clearly that although his heart is for them, he requires something of us. And so the Bible says, go and uh, this, read it here. It says, go and uh, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. That word nations is the word ethnos, ethnic grouping, any kind of group of people. Now, they don't have to be overseas. There can be an ethnic group in our own community, a group of Indians, a group of Pakistanis, a group of Sri Lankan, whatever it is that you find that's a group of people, a common culture, common religion, common language, common things, something that's got them in common, that is an ethnic group. God wants us to go to them with the gospel. And not just to go to them with the gospel, but to go and make disciples of the ethnic groups. To make disciples of someone means that their whole lifestyle becomes changed. They don't just connect with Jesus Christ. They don't just connect with God, but their values and thinking take on the thinking of the kingdom of heaven, the values of the kingdom of God, the culture of the kingdom of heaven. So the culture itself, although yes, it's still Indian, still Maori, still Kukala, whatever culture they may come from, nevertheless, within that, they're now beginning to reflect what God is like. God wants cultures change. The only way you can change a culture is you get into where the decisions are made and you begin to influence how decisions are made. You begin to influence people's lives to come to Christ. Listen, we've got a great mandate. You've got to be caught up in a big vision. Don't get caught up in a little world when God has something much bigger. Dare to dream great things from God for your life. The Bible says very clearly the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that God will pour out His Spirit on you, cause you to have visions and dreams. Listen, I want you to have a look in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. God has a global vision, and we must have it too. God has a global vision. He has a global vision. When God is thinking of people, He's thinking of nations. 
He's thinking of the whole world being impacted. Because we look and we see, and listen to this, don't bring God down to your experience. Let your experience be challenged to come up to what God says is in his heart. Otherwise, you live just like you are. You live just where we are, what, what we're living with. But God's got much more for us. And so the Bible tells us when God spoke to Abraham and God called Abraham and put a, a call on Abraham's life in Genesis 12 verse 2, he said, I will bless you. I will put my hand on you, touch you, bless your finances, your marriage, your relationship. But listen, said, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So when God put his hand on Abraham, Abraham didn't say, whoa, whoa, I'm positioned for good things for me. No, 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 no. God had in mind that the world, all the nations of the earth would be touched because one man did to engage God and believe and walk with him. There's hardly anyone in the world that know about Abraham. See, God has used him to touch nations. Now look at this verse here. Now this verse is a strange verse, comes in a, in a strange part. This is in Numbers chapter 14. In Numbers 13 and 14, God has led his people out of Egypt. So he's talking about Israel, the church. That's you and me when we've come to Jesus Christ. Now, when God touched Israel, they were in bondage. So what he did was he got them saved. You come to Jesus, you get saved out of sin, get set free from your demons, but it doesn't stop there. The next thing it was, he got them out there through the waters. He got them out there and delivered from the bondage they were in. He began to walk them through the wilderness. But listen, he had a vision for them. This is what he wanted. I want you to come to me. I brought you to myself. He wants intimacy, connection. He wants us to be connected in a way where we engage him as a kingdom of priests, as people called to minister to him, called to bring him to the world. Exodus 19. Then the next thing it says, he said, and I've given you an inheritance. Now, God had in mind a land or an inheritance. So I want you to think now, Israel, a specific land, full of problems, full of demonic people, full of all kinds of issues. God said, I want you to go up and take the land. Now, what happened was this. The people, the people complained continually about the process God took them through to bring them to their inheritance. They complained about the process. They complained about their journey. Listen, you can sit there with a great dream in your heart of great things, but there is a process to get you there. And that process will involve deepening your trust and your intimacy with the Lord because He has much to entrust to you. And so the process or the journey is to position us so we can inherit the things God has for us. So, for example, Joseph, God put a dream into Joseph's heart as a young man about 12, 13. Listen, he was about 30 before he fulfilled it. And there was a season of preparation. You are in your season of preparation. Don't buck what God's doing in your life. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Don't lose the dream. Listen, this is what happened to the people when they got there and saw the problems. When they saw how difficult it was, in Numbers 13, they said, we just can't do it. And at that point, they got into big trouble with God. And Moses interceded with them, and God said, yes, I'll forgive them. God's a forgiving God. But now he said, but I'm not going to let them enter into the inheritance. In other words, because they didn't develop a faith life, they're not positioned to enter the things I have for them. You get any idea? That's a tragic thing. I'll raise up another generation that will. God's always looking for a people that will hear what he's saying, 
and carry his word to a nation, a region, a street, a community, a school, whatever. Question is, if God's taking you through a process of preparing you, are you complaining about the process or embracing him in it so you can grow and be able to inherit what he has for you? Now, I want you to hear what God says. Now, God makes an unusual statement having said, listen, I'll forgive them. Here, you can read it yourselves. He said, uh, verse 19, pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you've forgiven them till now. Verse 20, the Lord said, I pardon them. Okay, okay, Moses, I heard you interceding. I've forgiven them. And now look, look at this. Look what he says. Nevertheless, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Why on earth would God make a statement like that when he's just dealing with the people who have fallen over and they've made, they've actually, the whole generation has missed out on their inheritance. What is he saying here? He's saying, listen, there is a bigger picture than what you see. You see a nation, Israel, you see a promised land. And here's a people that I've called to go and inherit the promised land. But I'm telling you now, I have a nation, a people called the church. And their promised land are all the nations of the earth. And I'm calling them to rise up. I'm going to raise me up a people and it'll be called the church of Jesus Christ. And it won't fail to inherit the promises. But that group of people called the church of Jesus Christ will arise up and they will inherit the nations of the earth. So he says, as truly as I live. In other words, God's saying, just as sure as I'm here talking to you today, I'm telling you, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. When the Bible's talking about the glory of the Lord, Moses said, show me your glory. And he says, I will show you what I am like. And he said, listen to what he says. He said, there will come a day when there will not be a part of the world where my glory will not be manifest, seen, and touching people's lives. Over and over in the Bible, he makes it clear that what we saw in the Old Testament is a picture after picture after picture after picture to get the lesson that in this, this season that we live in history, God will raise up a people that will take nations, that will manifest what God is like. In Habakkuk 2.14, he said, Surely all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. What God's going to do is not going to be hidden away. It's not a little thing in a building somewhere. It's not in a back street. He said, the whole earth will be filled with knowing about this thing. What God does is not going to be hidden in a corner. It's not going to be some small thing. He said, you'll know it over the whole earth. And we're in a day of internet, a day when things that happen in a nation like uh, America in one place, it's known all over the world immediately. We're living in days when people can begin to see and experience God moving in powerful ways. We're living in days of biblical fulfillment of what God has promised. What a great day to be alive. I would love to be a young person in this hour. I can tell you now, this is a great day to be alive, to be full of the Holy Ghost and to get a vision and a dream that you could touch groups of people. Listen, there's nothing limits you except will you believe? Two men said, our God is with us. We can do it. We're able. 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. You want to have a look. I know there's a day of judgment. I know there's things in the Bible that talks about a coming judgment. But it also talks about things like this. Isaiah 40, verse 5. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the earth shall see it together. God will reveal what he is like. I'm going to just explain a little moment. I'm going to get it right down to where you live shortly. But I want you to lift up, get the big picture. All the earth. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth shall be filled with knowledge of the glory of the Lord. All the earth shall see the glory of the Lord. Together. We're living in the first time in history when that could happen. First time in history when that could happen. First time in history where it's possible to connect with every part of the world at one time. What a day to be alive. What a day to be a part of what God is doing. Right? Hey? All the earth shall be filled with knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Look at this one here in Isaiah 6 verse 2. Isaiah is having an encounter with the Lord. Isaiah is coming into the presence of God and beginning to encounter the glory of the Lord. And the angels say the whole earth is filled with His glory. They're declaring that which God is about to do. And in the middle of it, listen to this. In the middle of this wonderful encounter with the glory of God, seeing His beauty and His majesty, having a personal revelation of heaven itself, in the middle of it, He's smitten with His condition. He repents of His condition. God touches Him. See, that's, this is what you find. There's always this hunger and engagement with God. Then it flows to cleansing and wholeness. And then He hears God say, Who shall we send? And you see, so whenever God is talking about His glory being revealed, the next thing is, who is going to make it happen? We see, you see, we tend to think, oh, God's just going to do it. Yeah, right. It's never been that way. It's not going to be that way. You have to understand that whenever the glory of God was revealed in the earth, whenever God's glory and beauty touched people, whenever the presence of God came into any nation in revival, in reformation, in restoration, there was always at least one person stood up and made it their mission to engage God and bring God into the problems of the world. And I tell you why it's like that. And I tell you why you can actually be sure that this thing doesn't happen without people responding. Here's why. Because God made the earth for man to have dominion in it. Man messed it up. God's plan is man fixes it up. Think about that. God's plan for you never changed. You were made for dominion. That's why when you're living in defeat and bondage, you're so miserable. Because you're not made to live addicted to anything. You're not made to live like that. You're made to carry the presence, the goodness, the nature. All that God is His glory. You're made to carry it and bring it into the nation and make it change. The problem is, every time the church gets caught up just in experiencing God and doesn't get the heart of God to the nation, it disconnects from the very people that we're sent to change. 
God pours a spirit into our lives that we might then impact the people around us, impact communities, change communities. See, that unless you actually catch a vision for that, God's heart is always nations. Nations change. You can change the government from labor to national. You won't change the nation one little bit. The only thing that will really truly change the nation is when the hearts of men and women turn to Jesus Christ and embrace the life and values of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, look in, in, in uh, Psalm 86 verse 9, uh, David cries out, All the nations you've made shall come up and worship you. All the nations you've made. Do you realize that God intends out of every ethnic group there will be people say yes and come and worship him? Every ethnic group. You find a group that no one that has never heard the gospel, that's a great place for you to go. You had someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, great place for you to go. I want you to have a look with me in, in John chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to get it more personal now, and I wanted to show you a couple of things. John chapter 2, verse 11. And we say the manifesting the glory of God. Well, we could try to describe it in all kinds of ways, but let me just give it in the way the Bible describes it really simply. And there's a, there's a lot on this. But I want to just pick it up in something that you could grasp and get a hold of and say, that's for me. That's for me. Here it is. It says now on the beginning of chapter 2, it talks about there being a wedding feast and there was a catering problem that ran out of wine. And in the middle of it, Jesus' mother comes to him and says, Jesus, they got a problem. The, cake, the, the host is embarrassed. There's not enough wine. They've run out. Can you do something? And he says, well, don't bug me. This is not my time yet, you know. But anyway... Mary was pretty smart. She said, whatever Jesus says, do that. And he said, see those big, now you're talking huge stone uh, pots that carry water. He said, fill them up to the brim with water and take them in. They took them in and the water changed to wine. Now read this. It says, this beginning of miracles that Jesus did, he began to manifest his glory. So when we talk about the glory of the Lord filling the earth, it's talking about signs, wonders, miracles, the supernatural power and goodness and love of God invading the earth. And how does it happen? Well, Jesus is the example. It happens through someone filled with the Holy Ghost who carries the life of God and brings it to other people. The Bible calls every one of us to be ambassadors of that kingdom. You are called to manifest the life of God. He said, well, immediately, of course, and I can feel it straight up. Well, you know, that couldn't, I'm too young. That couldn't have for me. Listen, that's unbelief. Who said you have to be old person to have the power of God flow through your life? The men who started the uh, Welsh revival were very, very young men. Very, very young men. In fact, it's likely the disciples were also very young men. You don't have to wait around. It's not about how long you've been around. It's about your passion and connectedness with God and having a God-given dream and a mission you're fulfilling. You have to wait for you very long. When I taught in a school, I was only a young Christian, and yet within, within one year, we, God was moving in the school because of some of the things he'd shown me to do that could shift and change an atmosphere in a classroom. See, it's not about how old you are or how long you've been a Christian. Will you believe that God's heart is for nations? God wants to manifest His life through you. Why not through you? Why not miracles through you? Why not people delivered through you? Why not? Why not? Why shouldn't it be? God's happy to do it through a young person. 
He wants any person that will rise up and say yes and position themselves with passion, a heart for God, and available to carry his life to people. Any person. Any person. Why not you? Why not you? You were born for it. You were designed by God for it. You know, when Jesus came, he had a message about the kingdom of God. All that he did was about another kingdom, another realm, another value system, another way of living, another lifestyle, a realm of glory he wanted to bring into the earth. And how did it come into the earth? The miracles came wherever Jesus was. You say, well, that was Jesus. Ha oh, ha. But he said in John 17, the glory the Father's given me, I'm giving it to you because I've done my bit. Now it's your turn. And, and you notice that Jesus confined his ministry to one nation, but we have got the world. Go to all the nations, all the peoples. That means at least going into Flaxmere, into Havelock, into Hastings, into Napier, into Taradale, into the schools, into the business area. You've got to understand, wherever you go, God calls you. That is a group. And that's some people you could reach. It's some people you could begin to pray and travail in prayer and say, God, give me keys to reach this people. Give me keys into their hearts. God will give it. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, I didn't have a clue either. Still waiting on God to show me the next thing. It's kind of how it works. You start asking God what to do, how to influence the area God has positioned you, positioned me. How can you do it? Now, we do it together. We do it corporately. We do it as a group, and we have some things we do together. But listen, at the end of the day, ministry is about you actually bringing dominion, bringing the, the rule of God over your life and where God has positioned you to have influence. I want to share with you just how to do that because there's some specific keys. I'm sure God will give us other ones, but at least I can share with you the ones I know that bring effect and bring change. Everywhere you go, you have a metron. A metron is an area of responsibility, an area, a circle of contacts, a place where God has positioned you in the community. And you also have things that God has put in your heart. So you have your own life you're responsible for. That's part of it. You have then the area or place where you live. You have the people that God has connected you to. And if you're in a workplace, it's your workplace. If you're in a school, it's your school. You have a place called your metron, the place God positioned you so you could make a difference. So the Bible says, for example, if a person is called and they're a servant, don't seek to change, just serve God as a servant and let God be with you in that place. So if you're a student at school, well, you serve God in the school and you bring God into the school. If you're in a business area, God wants you to learn how to bring his presence and power into there. God wants you to bring all. He wants you to understand how to manage finances. So the finances begin to shift and change. And it's not so much dependent on economy. It's you have access to God's wisdom and direction. You see, you've got to start to get out of looking at what you experience and say, and bringing God down to that. Rather, we say, look, there was a man who changed the face of a nation. Why wouldn't God do that through me? Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Now, there'll be lots of things come up in your mind and heart, but why not you? Why not you? In Psalm 67, it says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine on us. Now, now that's the first bit. That's the, 
Now, here's the bottom line, that your way may be known in all of the earth, your saving grace to all nations. God wants to bless you, touch you, encounter you, minister to you, impart to you, anoint you, teach you. Why? So the nations can know what he's like. Now you say, well, it all seems too big for me. Well, get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. Just get bigger, get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. Get past yourself. Get over yourself. Get over your world with its needs and begin to say, God, I was born for more than just surviving and just getting along. I was born to make a difference. God, when my spirit was put into me, God designed me to do something significant. I got to discover him, discover what I'm called to do, and then passionately do it. See, that's, that's what God has put into every person. You say, oh, it seems too big for me. It seems too far. That's because you've allowed something else to grip your mind and limit you. You've allowed the unbelief of our culture to shape how you view yourself and you view what you could do. And you know what it does? It says you can't do two. You can't do nothing. Just shut up and go to church and mind your business and don't get involved. And God's saying... I'm sorry, i got a different plan. My plan is you don't shut up and you go to church to get fired up and then you go out there with a vision and fire and passion to make a difference. You know why you need to have a prayer life? Because without it, you can't shift the powers that hold people in darkness. You know why you need a prayer life? So you can access God and hear what to do and how to do it. I can't describe how you're going to do what you called to do. You've got to connect with God and listen. And He'll give you an idea. Then you don't have to come and say, what do you think about this idea? You say, give it a go. A lot of people are too scared to give anything a go. What if I fail? Well, what if you fail? Just learn something from it. Get up and go forward. You'll get your, something good will happen. See, you've got to understand that God never designed us to have a cruisy, safe life. He designed us for a mission. And that mission is in the world. The church is called to go into the community and change it. So ministry is not all that happens here. Ministry is what you do when you get out there. What you do to shift the culture, to shift where you're at, so it becomes impacted and they know you're there. Now listen, you can't do that unless certain things have happened. Number one, you must connect and engage with God at a personal level. That's number one. That's why we keep stirring you up to engage with God. Not just to sing songs, not just to come to services, but to personally reach out and engage with heaven itself. It's your right and privilege. So you have something to carry. Everything that God reveals to you, touches, with you, touches your life with, is yours to bring to someone else. Huh? You can't bring secondhand stuff. It's got to be yours. You've got to make it yours. Always sound secondhand when you're repeating someone else's story. You have a testimony. You realize your testimony can change people's lives. I'm going to share one of the ways that you change an atmosphere is you begin to declare what God has done. And you keep declaring it, keep declaring, keep announcing, God did this, God did this, and we're excited. And you can shift people's lives when you do that. But you've got to speak up. I think there's a dumb spirit that's got a hold of most of the church who doesn't speak up. So, oh, the good things God did to me. Whoa, I had some great things happen to me. Woo, it was wonderful. So you've got to get, a, get your tongue freed up to declare what God is doing. Okay? So number one, must engage with God at a personal level. Number two, I need to embrace his bigness. Embrace the vision he has. He's got a big vision. 
sometimes we get so locked up. And so you're praying for your mum and dad and they're not getting saved. They're just getting meaner. You know, or you're praying for your workmate or your boss and he's not getting saved. He's just getting more cranky and giving your life, making your life a hard time. And so what happens? You get obsessed with the fact nothing's happening there and you miss all the open opportunities that are there. And what happens? We get focused on the one that means so much. We want to get, want to get something happening. Nothing's happening. You don't worry about that. Focus on the other areas. Look out and see. The field is very great. There are people who are ready to receive Christ. This morning, people just came up, want to receive Jesus. People want to receive Jesus. They want out of where they are. They want to change. They want help. They want to know that what you've got is real. Here's the next thing. Live an authentic life before God. Live an authentic life. People are looking to see if what you've got is real and makes a difference. They want to see it's real. They want to see there's reality in your life. People have been sick of being conned. They want to see some reality. And then you have to pursue strategy from God, how to actually fill up and begin to invade the place God has placed you in. We'll share some more things on that, but it's our responsibility to invade the community, not to withdraw from it. If the society we're in is in a bad state, there can be really only one real reason for that, and that is that the people God called to have dominion do not have dominion. It's no use complaining about society when God says, you're the hope of society because you carry the one who can change it. The question is whether you see yourself as having a mission. God is calling the whole church. You'll find right now on the earth, all over the world, God is emphasizing certain things right now. He's emphasizing his glory, his presence, his miraculous provision, the supernatural. But listen, no matter what, what he does, whether it's, it's diamonds or whether it's various signs and wonders, it's all about understanding and connecting with a God and carrying him to people. One of the things God is speaking in the world about now is about a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven advancing throughout the earth. The church is not the kingdom. The church is called to bring people into the kingdom, to promote the kingdom, advance the kingdom, release ministries into the kingdom. The church is called to be an equipping center to activate people to do something to advance the kingdom. The kingdom is about God invading some place, and he only does it through someone who is willing to yield to him. The question is, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? I know what's on the heart of God. If you get real near the heart of God, you'll say, who shall I send? And the reality is, actually, he's given a command for all of us to go. Oh, I'm not an evangelist. That doesn't matter. Who said about that? God called you to go and advance his kingdom. So if God has put something in your heart to be a doctor, that means you'll have to go to university. You'll need to work hard at school. You'll need to get at the top of your classes. You'll need to excel. You'll need to save. You'll need to go and study five hard years. You'll need to position yourself so you can change the medical community. How can God invade the health system if he doesn't have people that will get trained? And what about the education system? How can God invade the education system unless someone puts their hand up and says, I'm called to be a teacher. I'm going to go to training college, going to go to university. I'm going to prepare or I'm going to develop the skills I need so I can be positioned there to make a difference. You see, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to serve the Lord, so I'm not going to worry about university. That's not right. Because the only way you can actually fulfill your commission sometimes is to actually go to those places where you can be trained and get the learning so you then qualify to be positioned in the place you can make the changes. That's good. 
Come on, think about this. Think it through. Think it through. That's why I'm all into you doing well in education. I'm all into you succeeding at school, doing well in your studies. Why? Because that's where God positions you now, and it's the only way you can step up and get to places in society you can shift it. There are other people, a generation of people who missed their chance or didn't have that chance. If you've got it, then seize it and go for it. Well, think about this. If we're going to invade the financial system, we're going to have people that actually get money-wise, they learn how to use their money, get training in the whole area of finance so they can go into that thing and begin to start to bring about changes because they've connected with God and they've got access into those places. Come on, think about it. Invading the world, making a difference. Well, you say, well, it seems all too big for me. Well, it boils down to really the simple thing of you engaging God and beginning to start to engage his presence, engage him personally, starting to actually commit to, get a, to ask him to give you a vision and dream for what you can do right now to shift what's around you, beginning to engage fully what is around you, being an authentic person and saying, God, while I'm here at the school, in this place, in the street, among these people, I will make a difference. I will carry your life to people. You say, well, I'm just at home. Open your home. Well, I'm, I'm an old and I'm widowed. Well, nevertheless, you've got... Now, think about this. You're, the, eh, the egg timer's running out. you only got so much sand left in there. Just get to it and use every day to count for Jesus. Get fired up. Get involved with the young generation and begin to inspire people to make a difference. Listen, this is our day. Come on, why don't we just let's stand up and just lift our hands up to the Lord. He's looking for someone that'll say yes. That question is, is it you? Is it you? Listen, if you're in a school, God sent you there. If you're in a community somewhere, God sent you there. If you've got some business, God sent you there. The thing is, will you carry His light, His glory, His presence? Will you stand up and say, God, I will be part of your solution to these things? I will not fall in the wilderness of unbelief. I won't be part of a whole generation of businessmen who through unbelief never made a difference. I will not be part of a generation of young people who through unbelief and compromise never made a difference. But I will stand and begin to engage God in such a way I'm empowered to make a difference. Is that you? Why don't you come tonight say, Jesus... I am feeling so challenged. You have a mission for me. And I'm saying tonight, I'm hearing you speak to me. I want to embrace that mission. I haven't got a clue all it means. And I don't need to know. Because the journey to fulfill it, you'll lead me through every step of the way. So Lord, tonight I'm coming to you. Why don't you tonight, if God spoke to you tonight, and you're slacking around perhaps, and God say, come on, straighten up, get connected to me. Get that prayer life going again. Get stirred up on the inside. Begin to present yourself. Make yourself available. I got some miracles to do through you. I got people to set free. I got people to heal. I got people to touch. People for you to impact. I want you, son. I want you, daughter. If that's you, once you rush up to the front, you know God's speaking to you right now. You say, God, I'm hearing your voice tonight. I'll come tonight. I'll come forward as my step of response to you. Whenever God speaks, you do need to make some response. 
write it down, diary it, pray over it, get up tomorrow and pray into it, or tonight just come up on an altar call. Come up right now and say, God, I'm putting my hand up and saying, I'm hearing you speak to me. I want my life to count. I want to make a difference. I'm willing to begin to pray and embrace the vision of making a difference in my classroom, in my business, in my community, wherever I am. I'm hearing your voice tonight. Come on. Why don't you come tonight? You're hearing God's voice speaking to you. Why don't you come? Surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because in every nation, God will have a people who will stand up and carry that miracle life, carry that supernatural life, boldly and with authority. Is that you? Come on. There's others tonight. God's speaking to you. Why don't you come and say, Lord, tonight, maybe tonight there's compromise in your life. Why don't you say, God, I'm coming to put it all right. I want to get it cleaned up. I'm going to start doing some praying and fasting. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start to begin to get connected with you in a new level. Why don't you come tonight? Come tonight. Come tonight. Come tonight. There's older people tonight. Older people tonight. You need to respond. You need to start to put your hand up and say, Jesus, I, only, I know I've only got so much time left. I know that's true of us all, but you become aware of it once you're after 50. You think, oh, my God. When you're young, you know, you've got your whole life ahead of you. And suddenly you wake up and you just flip. It all went. I know much left. I want to make every day count. You know, there's a whole generation of baby boomers. That's people about my age and a bit younger, about a decade younger totally off the rails, needing help, selfish, self-centered. And then this generation a bit older than us, just concerned with comfort. And God's saying, I want you to actually find your comfort in me. I want you to use what time you have left to make a difference, whether it be intercession, prayer, helping, connecting, visiting, talking, connect, doing some things. There's people I want you to work through, people who are empty, people who are starting to wonder where their life went, people who are needing to know Jesus Christ. And your job is to snatch them out of the jaws of hell before they go to hell. This is your time to stand up and be counted. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight and you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Perhaps your life's empty and you've never given your life to the Lord. You haven't become a Christian. You're living a life without God. This would be a great night to give your heart to the Lord. Great night to become a Christian. If that's you, just come and stand in front of me. I want to lead you in a special prayer to receive Jesus. Some people did that this morning. Maybe that's you tonight. You're not yet a Christian. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just come and stand up in the front here. Why don't you do that? Is there anyone here tonight? Father, I just thank you. Why don't we just flow to that song, Hallelujah, again. Let's begin to worship the Lord. To believe God, to reach out and touch you. Now, come on, don't look at the person next to you. Mission in life is very personal. It's about what God wants to do through me. Tonight, I present myself to you, Lord. I am available for you to work through. I want you to impart to me tonight a fresh zeal and hunger. I want the spirit of prayer to come on my life. I want my life to carry a new awareness of your presence. I want to learn things. I want to learn the ways of your spirit. God, engage me with dreams, supernatural dreams. God, give me vision. any of the pastors that are here just come on up we're going to lay hands on people tonight that have made that response to the Lord I want us to release a fire of God into them release an anointing from heaven into them tonight 
that wherever they are, the fire of God begin to burn. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah.